0: Everybody. This is WrestleWolf. The show is AEW Weekly. I'm your host, Damien Gibson, coming to you live from the WrestleWolf feed. Uh, we talk about AEW here on this podcast. This is what we do. Um, and uh, yeah, the lowdown is that we do some news um, and then we go through the weekly shows, uh, the best and the worst of the weekly shows. And then that's kind of it. We sort of give you a, an idea of what's happening. Uh, it's your one stop shop for recaps, reviews, opinions and AEW news from a fan. I'm an AEW fan and it's going to be slightly biased. I like to say that from the top because a lot of people don't and then are completely biased. So um. Yeah. Uh, Let's get into it. News. Now, the big news that's happening basically today as we speak is uh, Edge, uh, Adam Copeland, Edge, WWE superstar, uh, best friend of Christian Cage, has said that tonight, Friday night, the 18th of August, 2023, will be his final match on his WWE contract. And there are rumours, I haven't seen rumours like this for someone coming to AEW uh, for a while. Uh, this used to happen, you know, it felt like the first couple of years of AEW this was happening every second week where, uh, you know, we a name would get thrown up and, and you would be like, no, there's no way they come, they come in AEW and then they would appear three or four weeks later. The strong rumour is that Adam Copeland, Edge, will wrestle his last match for WWE tonight and then wrestle with Christian Cage at All In at Wembley. Uh, Maybe even as a retirement match for both of them. There's a whole bunch of rumours flying around all over the place. I don't think you would go out of your way to get Edge to come and wrestle in your company if he was just going to come and do one show and leave. It just doesn't just doesn't mean anything. Uh, Edge is in, I think, probably as good a shape now as, as he has ever been. I, Me personally, as a massive fan of Edge and Christian from back in the day, I, I think they're a hugely underrated tag team. Like hugely underrated I think they were hugely funny I think they're still they were a part of I mean they are in the brood initially which was a bit lame but kind of fun and then going out on their own I think they're a huge part of that like um Attitude Era uh whatever the next era is called you know I, th- I think uh what do they call it the Relentless Era the John Cena Era what's it called uh, anyway who cares I, I love them so much. I even watched all every episode of the Edge and Christian show on the WWE Network. Uh, they were essentially, it's funny. Like, I think we're going to look back on certain things with <clears throat> streamers and just be like, oh, my God, people were, because so much content gets made. I think at, like at times we'll go back and go, I can't believe that this was made, you know? Remember um, uh, (laughs) R-Truth's quiz show that he did via Zoom during the pandemic? Uh, I mean, Mother being, uh, you know, like Christ being the mother invention there. But anyway, Edge and Christian's show was insane. They were essentially allowed to do whatever they wanted. They were doing, like, Goonies parodies. Tommy Dreamer was being teased relentlessly. Um, They... Uh, if they were allowed to do that kind of stuff on AEW, I think it would be hugely entertaining and well worth any amount of money that Tony spends to get Edge across. You know, Edge and Christian are legitimate best friends. There's a lot of talk about friendships in wrestling and who's friends with who and all that sort of thing. These guys have been friends since high school. Still best mates. Christian threw up a photo of them at... Um, uh, at a Maple Leaves game recently. I think it was only a few weeks ago. So, uh, you know, they they talk all the time. They were doing it up until recently. They were doing a weekly podcast together. So it has not been confirmed, but as I say, the amount of talk about this uh, on social media is relentless. Um, and I haven't really seen this kind of talk uh since like Brian Danielson, Sam Punk, it's it's very, um, it's not just one or two people. It seems to be everybody, and it seems to be this faded complete of like, oh well, Edge, Edge is going to wrestle his last match in WWE tonight, and he'll be in AEW next week. Which I don't know. There's usually non compete clauses of thirty, sixty, ninety days. So I, you know, unless it's like. It, they're re- his retirement gift you know like they're not really using him anyway um maybe his contract it could be one of those things where his contract is already run out and he's been doing sort of even more freelancer work for wwe recently that that's been the case in, in the past um but they're not using him anyway. So if he's superfluous to needs and he wants to come to AEW to wrestle with his best mate and have, you know, 6-12 months doing a sort of superannuation tour with Christian, fine, man. It's going to be fun, you know. Uh, but anyway, I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about that. If it if it hasn't happened by this week's episode, then I'll come on and say, well, you know, I got swerved there. But um, yeah. Yeah uh the so uh hiroma takahashi who is the new japan or the iwgp super junior uh what's the name of that belt it's the super junior heavyweight yeah super junior heavyweight or junior heavyweight champion uh he's been sort of the main dude in new japan in that um junior weight division for, it feels like five years now he's never really um he's never done anything for me if in fact i would say the booking in new japan at the moment is pretty atrocious i'm seeing a lot of people talk about how great it is i don't think it's very good at all you got nato winning the g1 uh and it, it's the same people like it I understand with strong style, it's a, a commitment to kayfabe and all that sort of thing. But there are people who have come and gone who are so much more thoroughly entertaining than the sort of mainstays of the company. Uh, that I just find it interesting that it's Takahashi, Tanahashi, Akada, uh, NATO, NATO, like. Uh, out of all the people, like, and the weird thing was, like, you know, someone like a Master Wado, who out of nowhere became a fan favorite during the Super Junior, uh, the Super Juniors uh, tournament, and came second to, to uh, no, one it. Sorry, um, there's been no follow up to that. Like, I understand the like, oh, was well, Super Junior and blah blah, but when someone's as over as that. You'd think that they would get some sort of look in, in the G1 tournament. Nah, nothing. Um and then there's uh, Taiju, the the big giant guy who's come back for LGI, um, who's in the same group as NATO, who like they, they brought him back uh I can't remember the name of the was it uh Resurgence was the pay per view, I think. Came back, dominated, was in a match with Sonata, just dominated him. And I was like, oh holy shit, this is the new. You know, he's like 6'2, 6'3, massive Japanese guy, this like smiling assassin, smiling psycho. And they didn't do anything with him during the G1. Will Ospreay wrestled the tournament of his life. He gets knocked out by NATO in the semifinals. And New Japan just seemed to get a free pass with this shit. Like there are people in the on that roster that, you know, Taiji was one, Master Wado was another one, uh, Evil, who they, out of nowhere, has sort of been this joke for like two years, and all of a sudden they push him in the G1. Uh, <clears throat> it just felt... we it, To me, it felt like three years ago, like, oh, we're booking... So we're pushing NATO and Evil again, even though there's people who have gone past them as far as popularity and interest is concerned. And also if you this sort of like isolationist idea that like they, they still just won't i mean i know jay Wyatt was champion for a long period of time but in my mind and maybe will osprey has sort of motion that he's going to leave after wrestle kingdom next year and so they don't want to push him too much but will osprey winning the g1 is going to generate the most amount of um dirt sheet activity for your promotion and then they nato wins and no one cares it's like you know if a tree falls in a forest and no one hears it has the tree really fallen that that's what the result of that g1 was like anyway (laughs) uh Takahashi wants to wrestle in AEW, and you know, there'll be some people who would be excited about that. And any cross promotional stuff between AEW and New Japan is always sick, it's always really interesting, it's always very cool. I just for me personally, I suppose that Takahashi, out of all the people on the New Japan uh, roster, besides maybe NATO, this is the least interested that I would be. If they were, he's talking about defending the Super Junior heavyweight title. Uh, the junior heavyweight title on on TV. that could be cool. Um, as long as it's not like Wheeler Utah going for the God, just a boredom vacuum. If the two of those people <laughs> wrestled each other in the one match, but yeah, it's cool and shows that like that AEW is still a legitimate option that people want to go and wrestle at and outside of the American bubble, it's. Um, you know, top Japanese wrestlers want to come along and, and wrestle in in AEW. Uh Dynamite ratings are up three percent this week and was the this is for dynamite and was the number one show uh on cable. So some good news there. Uh it looked like both Collision and Dynamite uh sold out for the amount of tickets that were on sale, both around five thousand. So steady Uh, ticket sales there in the flyover states which seems to be AEW's plan of attack is that they're just going to keep heading back to markets that get overlooked um, and that they're going to try and build a a fan base that way Uh, it's not necessarily how I would do it I would try and build a fan base on either coast and then move inwards but uh, you know it seems to be working I mean like they're at, at the very least holding you know, when you look at the ticket sales for that area from the year before, or the last time they were there, it's always around the same. I, I suppose the not worrying thing, but the thing that would be being looked at is how do we create growth in those markets? Um, you know, I, I I think the next thing for uh, AW is to get a really, really strong communications manager into the building because uh, something's got to be done about just the constant bad press um, <laughs> on social media. I won't bang on and on about it like I do every week because... It's starting to become a little bit boring, and I want the podcast to be sort of a place of positivity for AEW, somewhere where you can come and, and not have to worry about that bullshit. But I will say this, Ram: right? I, I think uh, we, as a fan base, AEW fan base, are pretty rabid, like, and we need, and like, we are, we kind of need to be because of the the company that we love is constantly under attack by people who either. Are bad bad faith actors or don't know what they're talking about, don't watch the product. Um, but I think what tends to happen is that when anybody raises any criticism towards AEW, I wouldn't say they get shouted down, but they do get a lot of feedback. And then you can see that, you know, like the English YouTube channels, you can see that there is a resentment towards the AEW fan base, and so that just it becomes this perpetual cycle of like, well, I don't like AEW, so I'll go and look out for for bad stories but again you know the stories that are running around this week come from, they all come from the same places it's either Brian Alvarez reporting stuff from his mate the Bucks as fact um or uh cornet Jim Cornette just talking shit and those you know opinions go out into the ether and people just repeat them so my advice would be, and this is what I have done, is um, just try and follow as many pro-AW accounts as you can. And then, you know, whether you're on threads or Twitter or whatever, or X, whatever the fuck it's called now, um, you can really start to build your own little community and just block out the the noise. It's, uh, I've essentially anything to do with the WWE, I've blocked. Uh, anything where I see bullshit, like all of the English YouTube channels, I've blocked and I've followed. Um, You know, it it is a shame. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp is essentially the only person left that I really pay any attention to who doesn't seem to have, like, a personal vested interest in reporting bullshit Um, and is the only person who seems to do basic journalistic principles of, like, follow-ups, you know, like, apologies for getting things wrong, Uh, you know, those kind of things. I don't see that anywhere. I don't see that on the Wrestling Observer. Yeah, Remember when Brian Alvarez said that CM Punk will never wrestle in AEW ever again? I mean, that's the amount of veracity that you should be giving uh, these reports that come out and then every single YouTube channel. Anyway, we all know what it is. There are so many positives at the moment. Like, if you don't spend all your time on social media and just look at things objectively... Aided the card for All In, which isn't set yet, already is stupendous. Over 80,000 people are going to be at Wembley to watch it. By the time it happens, they would have broken the WWE record for a wrestling crowd. People can just sit there and say it's a fluke. It, you know, like Look, people who are pragmatic, and this is someone that I disagree with quite a lot, but Eric Bischoff came out on social media today and said... Uh, I wouldn't be having a go at Tony Khan when he's obviously about all in, when obviously his, um, what he's doing is, is working. When you sit there on social media and go, oh, Tony Khan's bad, AEW's bad, all in's bad, but they've sold 81,000 tickets. You know? So just try and revel in that. You know, the, the shows are super fun at the moment. I think the wrestling, as always, is really good. Stories about people being banned from Collision And CM Punk having, you know, words with Jungle Boy And it's always like, you know The Jungle Boy CM Punk one this week was hilarious to me Like, I finally clicked on a, you know Because your phone and iPad and stuff Just constantly like, hey man, CM Punk People are angry with CM Punk So I click on it and I'm watching this report uh, It's from Wrestling News 365 Not a bad YouTube channel pretty unopinionated just sort of the facts but you know the the headlines clickbaity is like you know sam punk and jungle boy and clash backstage and what had happened was that jungle boy wanted to do a spot with real glass and a whole bunch of people had told him don't do that and then someone went off and got sam punk to come and you know as a locker room leader to come and talk to jungle boy about why that can't be done he was one of many people who were telling Jungle Boy that this couldn't be done, and it was Jungle Boy who was having a temper tantrum about it. And that came from numerous sources, not just, you know, CM Punk sources. So the story is non-existent. The story is young man has temper tantrum at work, but because CM Punk's involved in it, then it's become CM Punk in backstage altercation with Jungle Boy Jack Parry. This is not true. It's just not true. But the vast and they know you know, they know that the vast majority of people aren't gonna click on that video or they're not gonna click on that article. They're just gonna see the headline and go, oh, CM Punk's a problem. Because what's the biggest selling point AEW has? CM Punk. So that needs to be attacked. It needs to be run out of the company. And if you think these things don't happen, either from the inside or the outside, you've just got to look at the story that appeared this week about bret hart which was corroborated by the rock talking about how sean and triple h went after the rock when he first was starting to get pushed by vince like just bullied him i mean the rock could handle it and obviously was fine but this happens in 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 wrestling and you know these these are the guys you know bret hart's telling the story about sean and hunter this week about how they were with with The rock all those years ago and like one obviously a bad judge of talent and two why would they what's changed surely if they had the ability to go after people that they didn't like in another promotion they would do that right anyway let's get into the best and worst of collision and dynamite this week um collision i thought was really good i i i Found it difficult to find a bad um, part of the show. I did end up coming up with something, but let's go with the good first. I thought the CM Punk House of Black match was um, fantastic. Uh, It was always leading somewhere um, that wasn't just a straight match. And Samoa Joe... Choking out CM Punk to allow the House of Black to win that match. I I liked all of that. You know, It's a little bit screwy finish, but it builds up the Punk and Joe match at All In, which is going to be a secret belter of a match, by the way. No one's really talking about that, but the more I sort of see this story, uh, they've got one more collision to really push it. They've got one or two, no, two more collisions to really push it. Um, Is that right? at least one, anyway, <laughs> they'll they'll really push the story going into all in, it'll be a great match, and then there is all the history as well, like, it, this sort of attitude of, like, I need to know all the story, I mean, I don't want to be too harsh, because people can only talk from their own experience to a point, right, but I, people are so used to and like you know I've only been watching stuff outside of the WWE system for four or five years now so I, it's not like I'm some sort of wrestling wisdom master who's been watching you know all Japan pay-per-view since I was 3 years old but the story telling in WWE is, is very spoon fed you know it's kids TV for the most part AEW doesn't do that. AEW does similar booking to Japanese booking of, like, they just assume that you follow this sport. You know, you follow professional wrestling, and therefore you know that, like, you would if you are a boxing fan or a UFC fan, that this person has wrestled in, you know, three or four different promotions and has held three or four different belts. And... CM Punk and Smell Joe, used to have heat and had a rivalry in Ring of Honor, which also makes sense that that gets pushed because AEW owns Ring of Honor, so they can use the tapes and all that sort of thing. I think the build has been I think the build's been good, you know, because when you really think about it, it's been going on for a few months now, and this is the blow off. I don't really know what else people What? I I know AW is a victim of uh fantasy booking. People go online, they fantasy book, they want to see Punk versus Omega. You know, they want to see see CMFTR versus the elite. It's not gonna happen. I, I I mean, it may happen at some point, but it's not happening at all in. Uh, you know, I mean, Hangman was at Collision on Saturday to cut a promo, and then it had to be moved for certain reasons. And then Punk, after the pay per view, you know, cut a promo in inverted commas on on Hangman. So I think, I think there's something going on there work wise. But either way, I, I thought CM Punk in the House of Play was a good it was a good match. The storytelling between Joe and uh, Punk was necessary and it was done. They did the work and they're continuing to do the work. So, But also there is backstory between the two, which they keep hitting on, on AEW programming as well. They're not just expecting you to just know that. They show you from footage and tell you. Like they're showing and telling you, you know. This is what this story is. The bad part of Collision, uh, or the bad of Collision was... It, for me, it's the Acclaimed daddy R story, and and this has been very harsh because I don't hate the story, but I just think there's a few things about it that are a little bit... Um, just don't work for me. Like, I, I understand what they're doing. I I understand what they're trying to do. That at some point... Daddy Ars is going to come back. Um, they will challenge the House of Black for the trios championships and they'll be the ones to beat them. And this will be this ongoing story between the two teams. And at the moment, Malachi Black has you know, whispered in Daddy Ass' ear, Daddy Ars retired on the spot. We haven't seen him since. Fine. What I would say is that if you're going to have a character like Malachi Black, who is kind of the aid like is, is AEW's undertaker sort of, then you really need to commit. You know, if he's a guy who can get someone to if you if Malachi Black made Daddy Ars retire just by whispering in his ear, then you gotta you've gotta really like harp on that story beat, but they don't. You know they've they've insinuated it a couple of times. It's been like, oh, you know they've they show it, but they don't say anything about it because there seems to be this like um, awkwardness around doing any sort of spooky booking because they don't want to get that backlash, which they would get anyway. So just do it, like just take the risks, and if people bag it, who cares, you know? But I, I. I think all of this sort of ties in with like what is the House of Black? Like they're just sort of spook they're just sort of like metalheads. I would rather see I would rather have one section of the AEW universe that is spooky and weird and does that kind of match where like you know I understand it doesn't really link up with the way AEW presents themselves in a very Japanese sort of style, but um or very kayfabe style. But fuck it. (laughs) like, Just have some fun. People can suspend their disbelief to watch a wrestling match. They can suspend their disbelief that it's fucking Malachi Black's got superpowers where he can manipulate people into, you know. Or at the very least, just say that Malachi Black is so manipulative that he got daddy ass at his worst, right? Which they probably will tell that story when he comes back. But at the moment, it's just sort of, to me, having... Max Costa and, and um, oh, my God, I'm completely blanking. And Anthony Bowens uh, walk around with a pair of Daddy Ass's boots. Uh, it just looks dumb. I'd like, to me, I think if you were flicking around the channels and you saw a team just walking around with a pair of boots, you're like, I don't care what that story is. It just looks dumb. The other thing as well is that the the acclaimed with Daddy Ars were white hot like remember up until that happened like they were white hot um so i just think when you've got something you've done that with mjf and adam Cole. You've obviously called an audible to keep that <coughs> um duo together for as long as possible because it's making money and people are really loving it well, i why you wouldn't be doing the same thing with the acclaimed i don't know in fact i would just have them beat the House of Black, and then have them go back and forth for 6-12 months. Trade the titles. If they're being traded between two teams, then it raises both teams because one team can beat the other on any given night. Um, You've built up the House of Black for long enough now that they're not going to get hurt if they get beaten by the acclaimed. right? But anyway, this is all part of the story. And like I said, this isn't a huge bad for me um it's just i don't know there's a few i would just double down on the malachite black spookiness and i would get daddy ass back into AEW as quickly as possible quickly as possible because the, the acclaimed without him now when he first started with them i was i didn't like it and now i can't imagine the acclaimed without him and the other thing as well is the claim aren't really doing anything. They're obviously just treading water until he comes back. So let's just push this storyline along a little bit. it has been gone for a few weeks now. Let's have him come back and get this story back on the road. Uh, Dynamite. Weird episode of Dynamite. One of the more weird episodes of Dynamite I've seen. The vibe was weird. <laughs> it was all over the place. We had the Don Callis Jericho promo. We had the Texas Chainsaw Massacre match. We had... Will Osprey appear? We had uh, the weird sort of six-minute uh, young bucks match at the end of Dynamite with uh, FTR coming out for the save. We had Eddie Kingston reappear. Like a lot of a lot of big things happened, um, but yeah, it was kind of all over the place. But let's get into it. The, the good for me was the was Will Osprey showing back up in. Uh, in AEW and I've seen a lot of criticism about this match again it's because people have fantasy booked and just assumed that Osprey versus Omega was going to happen at all in it was never going to happen that story's been happening in New Japan for a year and a half two years they were never going to have the blow-off match. yes they had the second match in AEW that was a gift the blow-off match for this New Japan story has always was always going to be at Wrestle Kingdom next year Always. Always. So, yeah, like, what I do like about this match is that this was this storyline has been set up since Forbidden Door. Remember, like, a couple of weeks leading into Forbidden Door, Don Callis was getting in Will Ospreay's ear and all that sort of stuff. This story has been going on for eight, nine weeks. And people are talking about, like, oh, it's not a long-term story and blah, blah, blah. Get the fuck out of here. And now you've got a week and a half of Jericho. You just get Jericho to talk absolute shit to Osprey. You get both of them to cut a fantastic promo. And Jericho, and I'm sure Callis has been involved in this as well, would have sold it to Will Ospreay. Like, imagine... Because Osprey will win. That's the other thing as well. Jericho, once again, will take the L and put over the young guy... For the benefit of wrestling and for the benefit of AEW. Because Will Ospreay will win in London, in front of his home crowd, in front of 81,000 people, against the greatest of all time. So that's why that match is happening, you fucking morons. Not you guys who are listening, I mean people out on social media. Why is Jericho wrestling Will Ospreay? That's why. That's why. Omega was never going to happen. Osprey Omega was never going to happen in AEW, the blow-off. This is the next best thing. And also, you ungrateful bastards, it's Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay. It's going to be... Ospreay's going to bump his ass off to make this match look stupendous, and then he's going to beat Chris Jericho. And it's going to be mega. It's going to be mega. Uh, the bad was the Texas Chainsaw Deathmatch, <laughs> but look, these kind of matches. When uh, me and Sir Matthew Kayfabe used to go back and look at WCW, it's in the, um, you know, it's in the safe. If you want to go back and listen to old episodes of it on our feed, you can do that. And the stuff that is still fun to watch now, and what made wcw fun at the time was weird stuff like this and i i find it hilarious that people sort of like throw this critical nose up in the air and go oh god uh movie tie-in and it's a dumb match and who's Leatherface, dude it was a fun dumb match everybody who was involved in it was on board they got a hundred thousand dollars from the game developer For promoting it, and that money was put straight into a fund to help Maui residents from the the wildfires. So who who loses here? Nobody. Nobody. You know, like I I I love Brian Danielson and Bret Hart as much as the next guy, but I also want to see some entertainment in my wrestling. I know it's a horrible word to use. But I do want to see some interesting, dumb stuff. And I'd rather AEW swing for the fences on every pitch and strike out occasionally than to just play it safe and and go for a runner to to first, you know, like on on every match. It's, It's the swings that they miss that makes the ones that they connect so great. That's what makes AEW fun. You know, and people will talk about that until the end of time. Remember that dynamite where Leatherface came out with a chainsaw and swung it around at Jeff Jarrett's wife? I mean, that sentence in itself is insane to say. <laughs> insane, but it was fun, right? Anyway, um, I am going to leave it there. I just want to quickly thank all the new listeners who are getting on board Um, It seems like this new sort of ranty style is uh, hitting home with with people and I do really appreciate that because I know for me personally, for a long time, I was looking to listen to other AEW podcasts where anybody spoke honestly about AEW and what was happening from a fan's perspective and it doesn't exist. So I really appreciate you guys supporting me. Um, Making podcasts is hard. It's a lot harder than you would think and doing it on your own um can be a lot of work and so when i see that people are listening to it and enjoy it that's all the payment that i need uh it, it makes it all worthwhile so i really appreciate it guys thank you so much if you can tell your friends about it if you've got an aw friend who is uh looking for a podcast or you know wants some confirmation or affirmation about they're watching the right promotion and that they're not insane even though social media keeps telling them that they are for liking aw come here this is a safe space you can listen to me talk about how great and bad sometimes AEW is and we can enjoy this ride together uh all right well until next week guys enjoy your all elite wrestling and uh, i will talk to you really soon